Hey, this is Johnny Burke. I'm here on the Lone Star Plate. I'm here talking about my new album, Behind the Pine Curtain. Thanks to my man, Patrick, for having me on. It's a good one. Johnny Burke, thank you so much for joining us. You have a new album out. It's called Behind the Pine Curtain. Uh, it's available April 26th. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We put out one single from it already, which is the title track. Also titled behind the pine curtain and uh yeah awesome yeah, man. glad to glad to finally get it out yeah that's awesome man yeah let's talk about um you know the inspiration behind this album uh because it's quite interesting i mean a lot of people put out albums right but they don't normally have this great big story behind the album right it's usually like just collection of song my girlfriend broke up with me i wrote an album Right, yours right. is a lot more uh it has a lot more weight right um so yeah let's what caused you to write this album well uh yeah i'll i'll try to make the long story as short as possible but also filling in the details um sure. yeah i guess um about seven years ago um i was uh charged with my uh my third dwi and uh you know I'm, I'm 36 now and uh when i was in my very early 20s i had gotten two dwis uh just stupid 21 22 year old guy leaving the bar after gigs and uh, you know i always said well i will uh, i will never drink and drive you know leaving the bar again that's uh, and then, uh, I, yeah, I guess it was, uh, seven and some change years ago that, uh, I was leaving up a, a private party, like the morning after in West Texas. And, uh, I'd been playing for some, uh, rodeo pals of mine. It was in, it was in like Coleman, you know? Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, it was Thanksgiving morning and I remember saying, uh, to myself, hey man, make sure you're good to drive. And I waited a couple hours and then I got to driving and uh, sure enough, got pulled over for a taillight and the police officer sees my record and says, hey man, you, you kind of smell like alcohol. And uh, sure enough, got a felony DWI. Um, after that, and I'll, I'll skip over all the details, some of it are included in the writing on the album, but, uh, you know, it took about two years before it finally went to court and I was sentenced because it's, uh, it's a felony. And, uh, I ended up serving, uh, just under a year in our various Texas prison systems under TDCJ. And, uh, that was all during the year of 2018. Uh, so most of the writing on the album came either briefly before, um, sometimes during, I, I didn't have much time to write by myself while I was in there. Uh, I can count the hours on one hand, I guess, the time oh, I was wow. Wow. by myself over the course of a year, but, um, uh, and then shortly thereafter. And, uh, you know, since, uh, I was released in late 2018, I, uh, you know, resumed touring again, which I, I'd always done even after um even during the whole leading up to the incarceration and uh you know uh, 
started out doing demos just with a, a friend of mine who was very interested in the project, my producer, Don Sinto, and our good friend, Scott Davis, who's played on just a ton of great records. And uh, eventually we got the full band in the studio, kind of redid the demos or overdubbed the demos last summer. And so, yeah, just it's just getting to see the light of day. And, you know, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, a lot of it's kind of hard hard to play, but sure. um, of course, it, I figured it was one of those things. Hey, being a lifelong writer, um, I, I didn't realize that, that it would be that hard to document that, um, that it's hard, you know, kind of hard to, uh, to do. Sure. Absolutely, man. No, no, for sure. Um, listen, I appreciate you opening up about this and being, uh, you know, fortright and just open about it. Um, I think it can help a lot of people, which I'm assuming yeah. is why you're part of right of the reason you're doing it. I mean, for yourself as well, right? Some therapy, some, I would assume, but also a benefit of that is, yeah, can help some people. Um, right. Well, I usually, uh, as I've started debuting these songs live over the past couple of years, um, uh, I usually like include them in a block of the set all in one part of my live set. And, you know, I'll start it off or, um, somewhere in the middle include the fact that, uh, you know, Hey man, this, this happened to me. I never figured it did. And there's a lot of people like I never had any friends that were incarcerated for long periods of time, you know? And it, yeah. um, I don't think it's like a moment to teach just to, as much to acknowledge from the stage that, uh, Hey guys, you know, take an Uber home. Uh, you know, I, my first thing I say is you would uh, have to put a gun to my head and I would have to be convinced you would pull the trigger before I would ever drink and drive again. So, uh, and I, I think that, you know, really should go for anybody in our society. Sure. Absolutely. Hope you're enjoying this episode with Johnny Burke. I just quickly want to tell you about our social media. Yes. If you come on our social media, you'll see more of that dancing, singing, acapella. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just clips, quotes, extra behind the scenes stuff of what happens on the podcast. So please check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you'll be notified of all the great videos we put out, like Plate of the Week, which is an exclusive YouTube show we do recommending great food places in Texas, right? Stay tuned for the Plate of the Week in this episode. It's amazing. All right. Let's get back to the show, guys. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Like, were, was your thought when you were about to be incarcerated, like, I want to write an album or this, or that all sort of came just through time? You just started writing songs and putting things together, and then you realized, you know what, I want to make this a bigger piece, or, or how did that go? Yeah, I think leading up to it, um, I was just really scared. Uh, sure. Like I said, I... Absolutely. I had no um, frame of reference. I didn't know anybody who had been locked up more than say like myself for a day or two in, in the tank and in sure. county jail and to go to a penitentiary was so foreign to me. I only knew it through say the horrible things you see in films or, sure. uh, you know, whatever. And I think uh, that's what most people know, right? Like, I think that's, yeah, their reference. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it got really bad at one point. Uh, you know, there's a, a song, it's the last song on the record uh, called Don't Have Much Time. And uh, it talks about kind of in that period in the few months right before I went in. And it was just really a dark time where, uh, you know, when you can't see a path forward, it's, um, that's when things can, can really get bad. And uh, so I, you know, certainly have, have reached out for uh, help during those times. And it certainly helped me. Um, certain individuals who, who have gone through the same kind of thing. Sure. Oh, you reached out to them before you went in? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, and, and vice versa. People and vice versa. that yeah. I didn't okay. even know that had relatives who had uh, gone through similar kind of things. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. That's nice. That's good. Was there ever a point, um, you said it was about a year, was there ever a point where you felt like started to feel comfortable in there? I know that's a, maybe sounds like an odd question, but you know, I've heard of other, um, like for instance, I, I watched this guy on YouTube named Larry Lawton. So shout out to Larry Lawton. He's an, uh, an ex-convict who was like the number one jewel thief in America and he served like 13 years. And so now he goes on YouTube and talks about it and helps people. And he's great. I love him. I love hearing his stories. And he talks about like, right. it took him about like five years before he was just accepted where he was and he was able to get into, you know, just living that life. Was that, yeah. was, I know it was only a year for you. Was there ever a moment where you felt like, I, you know, I'm more comfortable. I can just get through this or was it just the entire year just like, um, I never realized until I got out and, um, Till I, uh, I realized, I, you know, I'd gotten out and I went through a, a breakup with my girlfriend who had stuck with me during oh, wow. the whole thing. And I moved oh, wow. in with a friend and uh, uh, this is kind of, you know, revealing some personal information. But I remember getting in an argument with the guy who, uh, you know, he's uh, was my close friend for a long time. Uh, still is kind of, but you know, he's like six foot two and, uh, you know, he was mad at me for something. And I realized how just in that short time of a year, cause I, I met many people who had been in there for 20, 25 plus years who are, I have no idea how you can, uh, be in society after that, after that long. But just after a year, I realized when we got in this argument, my first thought was to search for the nearest tool to hit him with when uh, we got oh, wow. in this face-to-face -face argument. Wow. And wow. Uh, yeah, I, that, that was kind of a breakdown point for me. Like, hey, man, I need to talk about this. And I've obviously got some trauma from it. And uh, it wasn't, you know, there was never any deal where, like, I got beat up or anything worse or uh, during my time there. But just having that tension during an entire year uh, certainly made me to where, hey, if a guy kind of, uh, even if it's my close friend, if we get in this big argument and we're, you know, blah, 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 yelling in our faces, that that's my first thought is to go, hey, it's, it's bad for you if you lose this argument in front of other, like, what's, and I, sure. I remember Respect seeing this wrench yeah. and going like, oh man, I could hit him with that. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's, uh, I appreciate being honest about that. I mean, honestly, I get it. I, I, I understand 
what you mean. You know, you're, you're in this environment for a year. Right. And then, right. yeah, I honestly think, man, just you realizing that about yourself is, is very big. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, you know, that was, uh, I guess would be uh, around three years ago that that happened. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, I certainly have had to see people about this and I work a program about this kind of stuff, but it's, uh, is it still like with said, you? Like after this long? Uh, no, no, I, I lead a, uh, usually a very happy life. Like I said, my, my blue healer is sitting here on my lap and, uh, I'm yeah. happy as I can be here in Lockhart, Texas. Uh, but, uh, no, you know, I, I, I think as a writer, uh, cause I've never thought of myself as, as say a particularly great singer or particularly that great of an instrumentalist. Um, I certainly, uh, love going in and doing a, a whole tour i love going in and making a record and i've done enough of them and that's all i've done since i was a teenager uh i guess to your first point i i never saw this coming because um, i've just since i was in high school i just grew up around uh, other musicians you know who either, you know, maybe drank hard or, uh, you know, did stuff that was outside the law. But I, I never knew anybody personally who was locked up for that amount of time in any kind of uh, close way. And so it was just uncharted waters for me. And Oh, for sure. Oh, without a doubt, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what uh, I, I tell you what, let, let's actually, before we jump into this next part, let's take just a quick break. Um, yeah. and then when we come back, I, yeah, let's just talk a little bit more about that. I actually want to talk about, you know, you said you had a little bit of time to write, you know, while you were incarcerated, let's dig into that a little bit. What the difference is of writing like that, as opposed to how you've always normally wrote. Um, yeah. That yeah. Fascinating. Right. So yeah, I'll be right back with Johnny Burke here and, uh, we'll get going. All right. Hey, good afternoon. I'm John. This is Proper Wing Kitchen and Bottle Shop. We're the plate of the week. Why don't you come on in and check it out? Today we're in Murphy, Texas, just northeast of Dallas to savor some amazing chicken wings. I'm Patrick and this is our plate of the week teaser. Make sure and check out our full video later in the week, exclusively on YouTube. According to the National Chicken Council, yes, that's a real thing, 1.42 billion chicken wings were eaten in 2022 during the Super Bowl alone. And the state that ate the most? Maryland, and that's just where John happens to be from, so you know you're in good wings. Chef John and I actually go way back as we have worked together in the past and have always stayed in contact. When I found out he was doing a chicken wing spot, we had to check it out. John has extensive fine dining experience being the executive chef for some of the best restaurants in Dallas. He's worked with Chef Jose Andres, who named him as executive chef for Zaytinia in Frisco. And before that, Stampede 66, Stephen Pyle's flagship restaurant, which is one place we work together. He most recently was the executive chef for fine dining powerhouse Yardbird in downtown Dallas, serving some of the best southern food in town. And now he has proper wean kitchen and bottle shop. With a healthy start, they just opened early 2022, they are on their way to becoming a neighborhood staple. So don't forget and join us for the full video later in the week, exclusively on YouTube. And if you're in Murphy, check out Proper Wing Kitchen today. 
All right, guys, we're back with Johnny Burke. Remember his new album, Behind the Pine Curtain, out April 26th. Um, so by the time you hear this, it's not out. So go on, pre-order, whatever you got to do. Set a set a calendar reminder, right, so you can make sure to uh, get that. His first single is out. It is the title track, uh, Behind the Pine Curtain. Um, we've been talking to Johnny basically about um, just the origin of his story, how he got in, how that happened. Uh, but now we're going to talk a little bit about writing, um, you, you said you've been a writer since you were a teenager. That's sort of how you consider yourself probably the most, right, as a writer, uh, which I love. Yeah. Um, I actually heard a great quote about you. You're like a songwriter, songwriter, songwriter. Like, that's like the coolest compliment to get, my man, um, to be honest with you. Like a comedian's comedian, comedian, right? Like, it's just like, no, no, these are who the real songwriters like. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. great. That's a cool I'm, compliment. So I've got a... Got a uh, thank my friend john fulbright for saying that he's always yeah tweeted about him because you know after uh, you know i you know i guess the songwriter songwriter thing first got said in the 60s about certain people and it's kind of gets cliched after a while and somehow sure. he found a new simple take he added on the other song of his genius yeah. it said that's why he is who he is right it's like right he's, he's very right. yeah for sure so yeah so let's talk about that difference obviously you've written so many songs you probably can't even remember how many um but now you're in this new situation to having to write um yeah. now you said you did you only write when you were alone or did you ever well, find yourself writing around other people? Um, w the writing that comes from, you know, and this doesn't just come from being in, when you're incarcerated, I would say, but uh, when, um, you know, say walking around, uh, I, I don't have a legal pad that I sit down and write with if I have an idea pop into my head, which usually a lot of things start with. Um, but if I go back and I sit in solitude, I can sit there and hash out that idea and go, oh, it's leading here. Or maybe this chord change or this part, uh, you know, it's the fun, really fun part for me. And the part that I've always thought that I had the most merit at. Um, but certainly uh, being incarcerated, there was, uh, I think in the span of a little less than a year, there was less, it was a straight, 36 hours, I think, that I was um, put in a solitary confinement deal in um, in one of the places in Huntsville. It was actually called the Holiday Unit in Huntsville. It's one of the biggest places there, although I, it's not really like you're on holiday, as the British would call it, so I don't know. Yeah, why. I agree. Oh. I was just going to say, I didn't want to say that, but yes, I'm glad you did. I agree. <laughs> that, what a, what a, what a, what That's a horrible just, name for a yes, big Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, what is that? Just as another slap in the face of the people that are there, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> just so stupid. Anyway, yeah. Sorry uh, about that. No, no. I, I'm Sucks. the one that made the joke, and I thought no, that no. at the time. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Uh, but yes, I was going from a unit in uh, far northeast Texas. And um, anytime you get transferred, I, I learned all these you know, things that nobody would ever know until you're incarcerated or you're the member of a family who's long-term incarcerated. And a lot of these um, catchphrases that are just really everyday language in there that I'd never heard that are kind of part of this record. And uh, so I was 
I was going from like Northeast Texas, like the, the Louisiana border. Uh, and I was going up to like North of Abilene. So you would think you would just go straight through to, through DFW, but you have to go through Huntsville whenever you're transferred for some reason. Say if you're going from a place in uh, the Valley in South Texas, for anybody not from Texas, that's like the southernmost part of Texas near Mexico. If you're going from there to the northernmost panhandle part, uh, you're going to stop through Huntsville. Oh, wow. And nobody knows why that is, but it's called catching chain because you're chained to another individual and you're riding on, uh, if you ever rode the school bus as a little kid, like a bluebird, what we called it, and uh, no air condition on it. Uh, but instead of there being 10 or 12 kids on it, there's, uh, there's like 50 or 60, uh, people all, it's, we call it nuts to butts, you know, everybody yeah. cramped in like sardines oh, and, God. Uh, you know, uh, horrors too bad to explain about the bathroom use. But, uh, as soon as I got to Huntsville, they said, well, he's supposed to be transferred out in the morning. And. Uh, that was a, just a really lucky break for me because I didn't get put in general population. They said, well, he's got to go right away wherever he's going. They don't tell you where you're going. Uh, but they put me in a solitary confinement unit where, uh, you know, my next door neighbors and stuff were, it looked like they had been living there for a while and they weren't going to be going anywhere. It was, it was kind yeah. of a lifeless oh, unit. Man. And, um, Jesus. But they let me have my, my, yeah, it looks like a, like if you ever picked up trash for, a, um, like I used to do it on the Guadalupe river where I grew up, but for cans where they got the little mesh bags, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's for your meager belongings in. And I had my books and my writing utensils in there. And uh, so for about 36 hours, I kind of crammed in. Uh, and finished a few songs that are on the record. Oh, wow. Include a lot of stuff that I had, um, you know, picked up from other prisoners, be that um, my first person kind of stuff or from their point of view or, um, or even, you know, fiction thrown in. It's. Uh, so that's interesting. So, so, so some of these songs and stuff are not just about you. They're, they're about your experience, the people you were around, everything that's cool that's really cool man. yeah I've, I've always um kind of been into the school of thought that uh i don't know who came up with this quote i heard it from warren zevon in an interview but uh he said in the writer's world there's never uh, a school for fiction or non-fiction it's just all there and uh I like you know that. you can do what you want with it and, and meld it like clay but uh it's, uh, you know, when, when the muse is coming and certainly I didn't have a place for, uh, to sit there and it, you don't really want to be the guy sitting there recording your thoughts down in a journal in, uh, Oh really? In a violent environment like that. Oh, I guess I never thought about that. I would have assumed a lot of people did that, but I guess that makes sense. No, uh, it's not, a. uh, just look down upon. Like you're well, weak or yeah. something, or what? What do you think it is? Yeah, just especially being around people that are long-term incarcerated, it's uh, it's not. 
you know, that kind of, you, you don't show your sensitive side. I never told anybody. Uh, oh, really? One, two, maybe three people that I, I can personally think of right now. Uh, oh, wow. Was a professional musician. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. What would you tell people? Or did they not ask? You don't tell people and they don't ask. And, uh, you know, the, is that the attitude? Just sort of keep to yourself, you know, stay in your lane. Yeah. 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 Stay in your lane. Yeah. Um, how many, uh, how many prisons or jails? I don't know the correct term. Did you stay in over that more or less year? Let's see. I can probably from memory count them on hand. Um, I did about 47 days in a county jail that I was sentenced from. And, uh, after that, I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I made all friends with all these hardcore felons. I'm, I'm tough. I can get through this year. And, uh, I thought I was going to be going to this jail, not far from my home where I was living at the time, uh, which is not far from where I'm living now outside of Lockhart. And, uh, about the time I could like almost see the curve of the earth and my house that I lived at at the time and knowing my dogs were there uh, that I had at the time, they took a turn towards Huntsville instead oh, of the turn towards the yeah, prison yeah. I thought I was going to be at the whole time. Ugh. And uh, from there, it was just I never knew where I was going. Uh, so how many you think? Four or five? Let's see. That would, you know, including the 47 days in county that we won. Uh, See, there was two two weeks in Bird, which is where everybody has to be uh, sentenced, or not sentenced, but uh, has to spend time in. And that was my first taste of real penitentiary life. It's called the Bird Unit. And I would be walking in the straight line down the shower to the hall, uh, to the mess hall or whatever. And uh, they have, even if you're death row, you have to be, do your uh, intake there at the bird unit. And it looks like, like the Shawshank redemption prison or whatever. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden, if you, if you're a death row inmate, they've got a bulletproof vest on you. There's two guards got you in chains going down the hall and they go face to the right. And you learn real quick to, even if you're in a line of people face to the right of the wall. And that was my first real take after being in County jail for 60 days with bad people. Um, sure. Hey, man, I'm I'm in a different world. I have no idea what I'm doing here. That would be the second. I guess the third one was in uh, far northeast Texas, um, back to Huntsville, up to Abilene, then north of Abilene. Um, finished my sentence in uh, a halfway house in uh, in Travis County, actually in Del Valley, where the big county jail is there. So it's basically kind of like county jail. So there'd be seven or eight. Wow. That seems like just ridiculous for a year, right? Like, what are we doing? Why are we moving yeah, people they, around so much? What the, what the, I still don't understand that. They call it, um, and it's actually looked down upon in the prison lingo. It's called a transfer unit. If you're um, under two to four years, they'll keep you on a transfer unit. And uh, you're not looked on as, as hardcore if you're, uh, oh, he's just on a transfer. He'll be out of here in no time. Uh, Whereas it's taken up three or four years of your life. 
Uh, yeah, like that's no big deal, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. No hey, man, deal. I'm serving 12 years. You're on a transfer unit. Get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. Um, well, but to be fair to that person, I guess in their mind, in comparison, it is nothing, right? Exactly. Like to them. So it's all perspective in a lot of ways, right? Uh, no, that's, that's no, I think I answered that a little too long about how many. No, no, I, I like all these. No, man, I appreciate, trust me, you answer any way you want, man. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I like all hearing all these details. Um, I find it fascinating, man, to be honest with you. I just see you as such a, you know, nice, genuine person. And, um, I know we all make mistakes and a lot of us just haven't been caught on them, to be frank. I mean, anyone trying to judge you, get, I mean, get the hell out of my face. I mean, I just don't understand that at all. Um, so, and to see what you're doing with it and how you're, um, you know, turning it into this positive situation. I mean, what more do you want from someone? You know what I mean? Uh I feel like the best thing I can uh, do with it, you know, like I said, I, I say it from stage every night when I start playing these songs because I know I'm at a bar and there's going to be people. That's a great point. That's a really great point. And uh, at the very least, it puts plants a thing in their head. Hey, you don't have to do that. And uh, these are songs, reasons why you should. <laughs> yeah, reasons why. It really is that like top 10 reasons uh, not to drink and drive yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah. Uh, Never you know, I'm kind of going in depth here, uh, and uh, thank you for allowing me this forum, uh, Patrick, because uh, it it does not even it sometimes it makes my my own close personal relationships or, or family members uncomfortable to hear these things, and uh, not everybody wants to hear about your your year in prison. You know, it's like hey, just just forget about it, and move on. Um, but well, I that's not going to help you get over it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, uh, it's not that easy for you to just like, oh yeah, just forget that year. You know, like, yeah. uh, doesn't work like that. I figure at the very least, uh, you know, talking with my personal friends about it, say my good old buddies who I've had since forever that are like me that think, hey, this could never happen to you. Uh, that there's always that thing. Hey, man. It, I'm one of the lucky ones. It could have been much worse if, uh, no, you know, no matter what the circumstances, if you, you are drunk driving and you kill somebody, that's, uh, you know, I, I feel fortunate to uh, have this perspective now that I'll never have to worry about that. Absolutely. Oh, of course, man. Absolutely. Hi, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Johnny Burke. This is a segment we call Reheat where we look back at a past episode and suggest it to you. So, because today's episode is with Johnny Burke, remember this is a two-part episode, so stay tuned for next week for part two. Uh, because of that, I'm going to suggest something a little different. Instead of an episode, a playlist. We have a playlist on our homepage you can look at of all the great live performances of artists that have come on the Lone Star Plate and performed. So, you've got some amazing groups, Texas Hill, Clay Walker, um... Oh my gosh, James McMurtry. Um, I'm 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 forgetting them all. There's so many. Um, they're wonderful performances, and please check them out. So, without further ado, let's get back to the episode with Johnny Burke again. Hope you're enjoying it. It's a really powerful episode, and I hope you're learning a lot. So, all right, guys, back to the episode. Stay Lone Star. Do you, Do you still like drink a little, or does do you just stop drinking? A period. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm currently in a program, but uh, you know that's that's kind of been on and off for 
for a few years. And I try to be honest about that. Uh, was it like, did you struggle with drinking or does, was it just, you know, you had, and we've all had those nights if you've drank right where that, that has happened. So like, was that it? Was it just, you struggled with drinking and, and that was the thing or was just these, you know, an isolated mistake? Yeah. Uh, I think probably like with anybody who, who has been a heavy drinker, I, um, you know, very early in my twenties, I struggled with, with drugs and I had, you know, multiple close friends die from, you know, what's horrible, what we're seeing now with, with opiate overdoses. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, you know, that certainly turned me off of, of that. That was my big thing of keeping off of drugs. And, you know, at that point, uh, drinking a whole bunch was like, well, yeah, man, I'm staying off of doing Oxycontin, you know, and I, I say that in a way I don't mean to glamorize no, no. what I, I was doing as a teenager or early 20s, but... Uh, that was your mindset at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm just, I just get drunk every now and then. And, uh, you know, that as I'm sure as a lot of people here can identify with, because I, I don't want to say it as, hey, there's certain people that can do this or can't do this. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've struggled on and off over the years with uh, what you can do, what what you probably shouldn't do, and um, what makes life more enjoyable and you can get away with. Uh, so, yeah, I don't uh, try, to, try to preach too much in that degree, but there are certainly people um, that have been, been sober for 25, 30 plus years that have taught me a whole lot. And uh, there's more uh, in my life, there's been multiple times where it's been multiple years where there's been, you know, no uh, substance other than coffee or, or whatever that I drank to a heavy extent that uh, I've, I've learned a lot during those years. So it's kind of part of the music industry. I think a lot of people know that, right? Like, yeah, you know, that sort of lifestyle and it's sort of indicative it's almost in some way romanticized um right so i get it i mean it's it's a difficult thing to jump into that scene and be like no no no, i'm not gonna do that right i mean everyone's it seems like it's part of the process you know i remember playing music when i was younger too and that's what you know just what it was um you know wasn't considered bad or anything it was just this is what we're doing we're having a great time and there's nothing wrong with it right we're not hurting anybody you think right so yeah man i get it i i can relate uh you know to to those early moments um that you went through as well um you know i honestly feel really bad for you man i just feel like you just got caught in this one mistake and it just like well you uh, know that's the other part of my pride that i i never wanted anybody to feel bad for me and uh, i still don't to this day because sure uh you know um i would like to say as as bad as the story got by um by that last unit it, that i was on which um it was just north of abilene it was breckenridge texas and i got there and there was a guy who's called the gi the gang investigator and the first his whole job is when you get to the unit is to check your tattoos uh you know see if you're involved in any race gang or anything and where you should be placed so that that wouldn't be an issue wow i've uh, never heard of this yeah because a lot of people 
that have been in there for so long, even if they didn't have racist or any kind of race views going in, a lot of things are based off of race in there. Uh, just I have heard that. Um, I didn't know they checked your tats before you went in, but that makes sense, right? Because they don't want to just create some sort of yeah, yeah. You'll you'll be issue on formal, purpose. Yeah. Formal interview by the when you go on a real unit by the GI, the gang investigator, and the major. And uh, so I got I got there, and the the GI was this guy, and he as like I said, I had only maybe told at this point like because this is where I spent my last four or five months. I maybe only told one person. Yeah, man, that's, I'm actually, that's what I do for a living is, is play music. And, uh, people make up shit all the time in there. So nobody probably, I would imagine. Sure. Um, sure. But, uh, he said, Hey man, I saw your file when you're coming in. That's why I'm talking to you. I know who you are. This GI, this, you know, high ranking guard. Oh, Wow. I said, yeah, man, I'm Johnny Burke, uh, just here to finish up my time, not cause trouble. And he said, uh, no, man, I'm a huge, I was a huge, great divide fan. I was a big fan of Mike McClure, who, um, you know, that was like, uh, I guess I'm 36 now. I recorded my first recording with Mike McClure when I was 18. So half my lifetime ago, wow. as of now, yeah. but this is four years ago. And uh, I go, wow, man, how, how did you know about that? He goes, man, I've been, I followed your music for a long time. I was going to tell you the reason I called you in here was we got three guitars on this unit, but we don't let anybody use them because we're afraid of them using, pulling out the guitar strings and uh, yeah. using, them, using them as weapons. Uh, but he said, I, I can probably get you one like once a week. If, if you'd feel comfortable like playing for an hour or something, he was like, I'd love to see it. And I'd never in the seven or whatever months I'd been there, uh, locked up, thought that this would be the conversation I would be having. Sure enough, uh, this warped, you know, out of can't stay in tune guitar shows up <laughs> every Friday from the GI. Uh, you know, we, in a 64, six person unit we never see the gi he's kind of like the guy that they're like holy shit the, the gi's here you know yeah everybody. yeah, and, yeah. You know, here's the guitar and um pretty soon i was playing an hour every friday afternoon for everybody there at the last say three months that i was locked up oh wow so you're doing a show every friday yeah uh kind of like um uh, what, what's his name? Uh, man in black, um, Johnny cash, right? This that is a sort was, of, uh, you know, uh, and that was mainly the kind of stuff that I played. I, I started out like I would do any set kind of trying to play my own songs, but these guys are, are locked up. They don't want to get into, they want to hear what they know. Uh, sure. Sure. And as cliched as it sounds, I would play, Folsom Prison Blues and Mama Tried as the cl closer every week. Um, Thank God you knew those songs, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thank God for those marathon happy hour gigs when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I every song under the sun. Sure. Uh, wow, that's yeah. fascinating, man. That's honestly, that's fascinating. Good on you for doing that uh, for them.
to be honest. It was it was truly a transformative experience to see these people, uh, some of whom had been locked up 12, 24, 30 plus years to react to these songs. Um, but, you know, it's... You take the the bad with the good, and that was the good, the only good I'd seen in a while. <laughs> no, no, for sure, man, absolutely. Um, look, let's let's take another break, um, no. and then we come back. We'll we'll jump into some more. I do have some more uh, specific questions. So, great, man. I'm having a blast talking to you, Patrick. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Johnny Burke as much as I did, because it was awesome. Um, and don't forget, next week we've got the second half to this interview. Um, he's an amazing person with an amazing story. And we felt compelled to release the entire episode. Um, normally, we shorten down the episodes, but this one was just so powerful. We, we felt like we wanted to include the whole thing. So that's why we're doing this in two parts. So again, coming up on next week's episode will be the second half to this interview with Johnny Burke. Um, and you know what's funny is we never got him to play a, a song the whole time he was there because we just were so, so into the conversation that that became more important. Um, and that's what music is sometimes. Sometimes music is so important, you don't need the music. Think about that. I'll leave you with that little nugget. All right, guys, until next week, stay Lone Star. See you then. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more. We're using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, visit our website, LoneStarPlate.show. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time.